0: Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us for the very first time. Hey, if you are with us for the very first time, maybe you're checking us out for the first time online or you're in here as our guest, we want to invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So my hope and our prayer as a staff is that you would come back and check us out at least three times, and hopefully we would be your spiritual family. If you are watching online today, we'd love for you to engage with us uh, during the feed. So a comment, like, share, and, of course, leave a review. If you're in here, we'd love for you to take out your cell phone and let everybody know. Just check in. Tell them, hey, I'm at church, and uh, you should be at church too. And so uh, it's been a great way for us to get connected to our community. We are wrapping up a series, as Pastor Jason mentioned, uh, called what I Wish You Knew About God. Because we we know that every one of us, um, regardless of who you are, we all have a past. And a lot of us come into church with a predisposed idea of who God is. And that's been colored by basically, you know, your past or your experiences, or your church or your pastors or your mom or your dad and what they thought and saw and taught you about God. And the problem is, is that oftentimes it could be a manipulated or skewed way of really who God is. And so we don't want to create our version of God on what dad told us or what grandma told us or what pastor told us. We want to actually look at the scriptures and see as much about God as we can. And again, I gave a caveat in week one. I talked about how he's God. So we're not going to be able to fully figure out who he is, but we can get some good insight and some good characteristics on who he is from the scriptures. And so in week one, we talked about God being love, that really a foundational idea and knowledge for you and I need to know is that God is love. He doesn't just have love for us, but he is the embodiment of love for us, and it fundamentally changes how we relate and connect with him. Week two, last week, we talked about God wanting to know your, God wants you to know his will, that God has a will or a plan for your life, and many times you and I come to a fork in the road, and we want to know specifically, hey, do I go left and do, do I go right? How many of y'all have a fork in the road moment right now, like just in your life or online? Okay, you you right now are trying to figure out, what does God want me to do? And we talked about last week uh, about God's will. Highly encourage you to go check out those two messages uh, on our uh, YouTube channel or on our podcast. We're at every uh, app store out there. And so today we're going to wrap up this series with a third thing that I wish you knew about God. Before we do, we're going to pray today. Father, we thank you. Lord, I know that today you have a special word for all of us, and I I pray that our minds would be clear and our hearts would be open, that today you have a word for us. And I've prepared notes, but the truth is you have something special that each and us, every one of us is going to take away from this message today. I pray that my words would be clean and clear. I pray that my heart would come across, that it would be your heart that would come across, and that ultimately we would actually learn more about who you are and the nature of you in our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, the Third and final thing I wish you knew about God. Again, I could probably do this for you know months. So we can do this series for a long, long time. But uh, as we wrap up the series, so third and final thing: if I was sitting down having coffee with you, I would want you to know that God is within you. That God is within you. You know, if you look at scripture, we can get an idea and a concept of who God is and we can get an idea of his makeup. And one of the ways that uh, that scholars and we see in scripture actually describe uh, God being what we call the Trinity. And I'm gonna give you an idea and give you some basic theology and doctrine on who God is and how he relates to us and how we can actually see him in scripture and what that means for us in this world. Our church is almost two years now old now and it's important that we start walking into doctrine and theological issues. So if you're new to church and new to Christianity, you're great, you're in a great spot because you can start with some great foundational teaching. If you've been in church for a long time, maybe you're a seasoned church goer, I'm, I'm asking you right now to just lay aside some of your predispositions and maybe things you learned about God before because I want to go to Scripture and really highlight some things about the nature of God that I think is extremely important when it comes to who He is. First, we kind of see that God, it, we have God the Father and this is God who's seated in heaven. We actually see in Scripture, I want to read this for you, in Scripture and call uh, In Matthew chapter 23, it says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Now, when we say who is in or location, we think God's in heaven. Well, really, God is omnipresent, so he's always, he's everywhere all the time. In all places, so it's not necessarily location. I would think maybe more of a dimension. But God chooses to be in heaven. That's one part of the Trinity. The second part of the Trinity you'll see is God the Son. So you have God the Son who is seated at the right hand of the Father. If you know anything about Hebrew or Jewish custom, the right hand always came and always signified the blessing. So Jesus is seated at the right hand, the blessing of the Father. I like what Jack Havard said. He's both the fulfiller and the fulfillment. Come on, somebody. Jesus is both who he is, the blessing, and he brings the blessing. That's why we love him, and why we serve him, and why we worship him. And that's where he is. I love how Colossians talks about it. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. And the third part of the Trinity I want to talk to you about. And this is what we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about today is God, the Holy Spirit, because God, this is God who is both with us and within us. I like what scripture says about it. He says, I will ask the father. This is John chapter 14. We're going to spend the majority of our time today in John, Jesus describing the Holy Spirit. And he will give you another helper, but it's a helper. This is important to be with you forever. And even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. That's important. Those are, those are good things to denote. You know him for he dwells with you. I like what he says. He says he dwells with you and will be in you. That they're, 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 The Holy Spirit is, is not a new concept. I'll talk to some people and they're like, well, yeah, he came in the New Testament. No, no, no. Holy Spirit's been around since the beginning of time. God, he is fully God. I'll show it to you. Even in Scripture, you'll see, depending on your translation, you see this Holy Spirit mentioned about 800 times inside of Scripture. He is not a new concept. Uh, I'll show you in creation. He was there in creation. In Genesis chapter 1, it says he hovered over the waters. And cre- uh, I'll give you a second one in Jesus' baptism. This is kind of a cool one where he descends like a dove onto Jesus at his baptism. He wasn't a dove. He descended like a dove. And a lot of people say, like, he's the dove. When you see a dove, like, there's a the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a bird. The Holy Spirit descended as a dove, like a dove, onto Jesus. And you see God the Father speaking down to Jesus Christ saying, this is my son and who I am. Well, please, side note, he was pleased with him before he even did anything in this earth. So if you're looking to please God by all the good things you're doing, hey, too late, he already beat you to it. He's already pleased with you. He already loves you. You're already in the family. Just start living right because you're already in. Isn't that good? That's just good. That's just not even in my notes. So anyway, so I'm just saying the Holy Spirit was there. You actually see the Trinity in one beautiful triune, uh, um, perfect union that they actually live and work together equal in value but different in role. And so you see the Holy Spirit... all throughout scripture. Now, the reason why I'm talking about him today, again, I want you to be graceful with me, because anytime I talk about the Holy Spirit, somebody has an issue, and your issue typically comes from a a particular belief or standpoint of what you believe about the Holy Spirit. And listen, I'm really not in here to kind of change your idea about the Holy Spirit, but I want to teach you some basic doctrinal theology when it comes to the Holy Spirit, From the Bible, not from your pastor that you grew up with that you love, not from um, a book you read, come on, And, and not from your family who always gave you the Holy Spirit in a certain way. And so if you're not careful with the Holy Spirit, I've seen this because I grew up in one camp in one. There's two ditches you can get into when it comes to the Holy Spirit that are unhealthy because I grew up in both of them. I grew up in one ditch and then I learned ministry in another ditch. And so I'm familiar with both sides. I want to I want to share them with you because I want you to be careful that you don't lean towards one area. The first ditch um, that typically people make a mistake when it comes to the Holy Spirit is they make him strange or they make him weird and what's funny is, is, I've noticed that these people were weird before they met God. So then they were weird, and then they met God. And now all of a sudden, miraculously, now God's weird. And you notice that? And they think that because, because they're weird and they're odd and they have some weird ways of doing things and strange things, they start talking weird and they act weird. And so all of a sudden, now their version and interpretation of the Holy Spirit's now put on you because if you don't experience the Holy Spirit the way they did, come on, you ever met that person? They're everywhere. They're in this church. They're all over. Is, is they have cornered the market on the Holy Spirit's expression. And if that doesn't happen in your life, then you're you don't have them. And, and you gotta be careful that you don't make so what happens is, is we have some people will have a, an experience with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not even saying it's wrong. I'm I'm saying it could be a legitimate Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit experience, and then what happens is. They see that and they make doctrine out of their experience. But we don't make doctrine out of experience. We make it out of the Bible. That's how you get fringe Christian groups and fringe religions and denominations. That's how that's what happens. And so if you're not careful, if you don't go to the Bible and try to figure out, okay, hey, I had an experience. How does this relate to doctrinal theology when it comes to the Bible and proper hermeneutics? So I don't take a scripture out of context. I want to make sure I'm living the right way. Now, Paul addressed this, okay? Paul addressed this type of person inside scripture. He addresses it in a letter and what we call a book of the Bible called the, the Corinthians. Okay, So he, he addressed it. It was a letter to the Corinthian church. It was 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Go back and read it. And he writes a letter. Now, anytime you write a letter, what's your, what are you trying to do? You're trying to convey a message to a particular person for a particular reason at that time. Because if you were trying to do all things at all times, your letter would be a, a gigantic series and volumes of letters. Come on, Right. So he's writing a letter to the church. Now, if you go back and study historically, theologically about that church, they were it was an interesting church, and it sounds familiar. Okay, it was a fast-growing church. It was a new church. Come on, sound familiar? It was in a big city. Come on. It was in a cultural city. Come on. It was in a city that had all kinds of religions, all kinds of belief systems. Come on, somebody. Y'all, does it sound familiar? And so what he was saying is he wanted to address the people who had the, who had the Holy Spirit, who had an experience with God, who were Christians, who were on fire with God. Come on, a church that was on fire for God. Come on. Like you say on fire for I always say when you say like on fire for God, somebody doesn't know what that means. They're like, you're setting people on fire in here? What is that happening? And so like they were passionate about God, Right. And so Paul was addressing a particular issue about a particular belief system, about a particular gifting that was happening in a particular church at a particular time frame. It's you gotta study it. You gotta know it. Just trust me, okay? And if you don't trust me, go back and read it. And he starts in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 addressing people who have taken the Holy Spirit and experienced with him a particular gifting and now have done it in a way that's alienated people inside the church. This is what he says. He says, but in a church meeting, we're in one. You're in one. He says, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. He's saying, don't get rid of a gifting of the Holy Spirit. He's particular gifting. You know, people will be talking about, you probably heard of speaking in tongues or having a heavenly prayer language. It's like, it's a good thing. God loves that. That's a Holy Spirit. That's a gifting. But if you're in church and all you're doing is that, you're he actually, I didn't even put it in here because I didn't want to offend anybody. But he actually says, if you're not careful and you do that all the time, you're, you look crazy to the people who don't believe. And he says, you don't miss out on the opportunity that you have for influence on somebody meeting the creator that you are celebrating and worshiping right now. In fact, he goes on to say, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And as in all meetings of God's holy people, he goes on to verse 40, he says, but be sure that everything is done in properly and in order. So what he was saying is he's saying you need to be conscious of what's going on in the church. He's talking to the church leaders saying, don't get rid of it. But be careful, you're not, you're so emphasizing it that you've now made people look at you like you're crazy. Now, you and I can get caught up if you're in this ditch in what I call spiritual elitism, because I've noticed that the people who seem to know God the most from their words act like God the least with their hands. So you say that you're so spiritual and the Holy Spirit lives within you, yet the fruits of the Spirit don't come out in you at all. And it doesn't work like that. Because if you have the gifts of the Spirit, proper gifts of the Spirit should lead to proper fruits. Fruits of the Spirit. So you should lead your life with love and kindness and come on, come on. All the fruits of the Spirit, self-control. And you should actually be the person that's trying to get people connected to the Holy Spirit, not using Him and your elite status now that could you have a certain gifting that separates you from those who don't have it. See, all the religious people in the world and the only people in the history of all church mankind, come on, The only people and the only types of people who would use their knowledge of the Bible and their knowledge of God, because they knew God the best, were the Pharisees in the world that Jesus rebuked. Just be careful. So you have one ditch. Second ditch could be that because you saw the Holy Spirit manifest or giftings in a certain church in a certain way, in a weird way or a strange way, or you don't fully understand him you ignore them all together. That's another ditch. That's the other side. So you might overemphasize and over-spectacularize. Come on. You've got to see a sign and wonder. If you're a sign and wonder person all the time, like you, you miss the supernatural for the spectacular. And they're not always linked. Sometimes the supernatural is that God just came in and made sure you changed your, he changed your life rather than you saw the manifestation of a gifting. And so because of that issue you had with the church, you moved into the other camp. This is the camp that I learned ministry in, where it was like, we didn't even believe it. Like, like We believed in the Holy Spirit, but we didn't ever talk about Him. We never worked with Him. We never understood Him. We never preached about Him. We never taught about Him. So like, we, He was just altogether silent and ignored. And that's another ditch that if you're not careful, we don't eliminate the Holy Spirit because we don't understand Him. That's not how it works. And so our job as Christians, our job as, 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 as followers of Jesus, you need to know this. Like, the proper Christian walk was designed to work with the Holy Spirit. That's the way it was designed. And, and my fear, as we, we move out, because if, if you're a history, if you're a church history nut like I am, you know, you know me and Pastor Jason, we studied like, like church history. If you just look at the arc of church history, everything swings and so you had a, a season of church that probably was overly spiritualized, quote unquote, from, 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 an, from an expression standpoint. And so the church at large started to swing towards being more what they call attractional or maybe what they, you have heard that? You know, you, they, people even talk about seeker sensitive, seeker friendly. And we swung to the other side and we said we want to make church so relevant, but, but it, it lost its, its, its taste and its flavor. And, and it's spirit. Come on. Right. It lost. It, we, we, we eliminated the Holy Spirit. And so we we overcorrected. And so now he's altogether silent. I'm telling you, either side is a ditch. What I, my goal is today is that we don't live in a ditch either way. We live maybe in a balanced center where we understand and recognize the value of the Holy Spirit. But we don't overemphasize a certain gifting over one of the other. Why? Because it's. I believe the Holy Spirit is powerful. Now, if if that's true, what I want to do today, if I can, again, just just go with me. I want to give you maybe five easy, maybe just insights to the Holy Spirit that I think Scripture brings to us of why I believe that he's he's vital for your life. He's he's vital. We are a spirit filled church. Can I make that clear? We're a spirit-filled church. And when I said that, you, some of us, because of your background or a church that said that and then was crazy, you're like, uh-oh. And you're waiting for something. Ain't nothing going to happen, right? We ain't doing a prayer tunnel. There's no people with flags. The shofar ain't coming out. It just, it's okay. It's going to be all right. And I'm not against any of those things. And there are some churches that do that. That's fine. It's not evil. It's not wrong. I'm just saying that that's not the way we do it here. That's okay. We have to be okay with the different expressions, different church, all kinds of church, all kinds of people, Right? So, so what I'm saying is, if that's the truth and the Holy Spirit is valuable, then we need to know how to relate to Him. Right. And I want to give you five ways, five um, maybe maybe uh, insights to thoughts on all the Holy Spirit that could be powerful to you. First one is this, uh, that He is God. That he, he is God. I want to read you a scripture. It says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. So you have said the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. has to. Two parts of the Trinity, and then the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So you see, all of them work together. Be with you all. He. So you need to know this: that it's he, ju, the Holy Spirit is not junior God. There are some churches who believe that. Like, okay, we'll talk to him. You know, if the you know if the other parts of the Trinity work. That's not how it works. He's fully God. He's not mini God. He's not God in training. He's God. I remember when I I went. I used to work at Red Robin uh, back in the day. Um, I was in college, and. Um, Man, I love those steak fries. Come on, somebody. And so uh, they were just powerful. And, and, uh, and so it was like, um, I remember I wanted to become a server. And in order for me to become a server, how many of y'all remember Red Robin? Y'all like Red Robin? You know what I'm saying? It was Red Robin. Robin. Yum. Yeah, you're welcome. So all right, so marketing. And so I became a server. But before I became a server, I had to become a server in training. And the reason I had to become a server in training is I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to be a server. So I had to, like, figure out how to do the you know, point of sale system and how to hold the glasses and how to take an order and learn the menu. And and so I was a server in training because I didn't know what I was doing. The Holy Spirit is not God in training. He is equally God. He plays a unique role. And we're going to talk about that role in our lives and inside the Trinity. But he is fully God. We need to make sure we understand him as fully God. Number two is, is, is he's a person. That He's a person. Now, what's interesting about this is that he's like, OK, well, how could be God? I get it. There's some confusing parts of this that our minds don't fully understand. One day I'll get to ask God about that. Hopefully you'll get to ask God about that. We'll walk through it. We'll have a great conversation and we'll figure it out. And All of our questions will be answered. But we need to understand the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit as not just God, but he's a person. He's not a force. Like, how many of y'all like Star Wars in here? Raise your hand if you like Star Wars. So it's just all good. It's like, yeah, you can watch a movie that's not wrapped in Christian principles. It's all good, okay? Like you're not, God's not mad at you. So like Star Wars, great movie, right? So but but in Star Wars, there's this thing called the Force. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like how Vader would like, you know, choke somebody from a distance, you know, like, and you see how they can block you know, lightsabers and all this kind of stuff, and they would everybody. it's like all of a sudden now you can heal people. It's weird. So I feel like whenever somebody, some people talk about the Holy Spirit, they talk about him like he's the force on Star Wars. He's not a force. He's a person. The the Bible speaks about how he can be, he can be lied to. You can't lie to a force. How are you going to lie to a force? That's weird. But we speak of him almost like he's some mystical part of the midichlorians inside of our system. Like it's weird. He's not a force. He, he's a person. He can be lied to. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he can be quenched. The Bible, maybe the most, maybe the most I, I, real verse in Scripture about the Holy Spirit is that he could be, he could be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4. He's, you could grieve the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes it's how you deal with people that grieve the Holy Spirit. Like you could grieve him. Why? Because he's, he's not some mystical force. He's a person. Number three is this He will help you. We're getting to some of His purpose now. Like, Why is He here? What does He do in the world? I like what John chapter 16 says Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, saying, I got to go. For if I don't go away, the helper, but say the helper, this is important. The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you that I'm going to send. As soon as I as soon as soon I kind of head off, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, God, God, the Holy Spirit, to be your, your helper. Greek word there is uh, called parakletos. It's really, really good. And it actually says this. It means this. It means to be the intercessor or the counselor or the comforter or the helper. If you need somebody to intercess on your behalf, it's the Holy Spirit. If you need some comfort right now, anybody like stressed out, you're like, man, I can need some comfort. I'm in some uncomfortable. Situations, I'm in a little bit of pain, I'm in a little bit of anguish. You need the Holy Spirit. If you need some counseling, some of the best wisdom will come from the counselor. The great counselor will come in and give you a word of knowledge. We're actually going to talk about that in just a minute. Or if you need just some basic help, that is what the Holy Spirit is. Side note if you're a woman in here and you're married, You need to know this, that the Bible equates you and uses the same word, "parakletos," helper, for you and the Holy Spirit as you are to your husband. Isn't that good? So just know you're not less valuable in marriage. You're just as valuable. You just play a different role. Hey, you were equated to the Holy Spirit. That's good. I was just like, you know, you got a happy wife, happy life. No, if you value your life, you're going to value your wife. Like Dr. Seuss up in here. Why? Because he's sent to help us. If you need boldness, if you need strength, if you need hope, come on, how many you all need some hope in here? When you ask God to send you peace, he sends you the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes we can confuse it. We'll say like, A God coming to my heart. Well, yes. But it's God, the Holy Spirit, right? right. And so we can say language sometimes it even confuses things. So I get it. Like, I've been doing this for almost two decades. Things are still, some things are still confusing. But we don't ignore him because he's valuable. Number four is this he will convict you. Now, when I said that, everybody in here was like, oh, here it comes. I knew it. I knew it. He's about to say, turn or burn. That's it. (laughs) I'm going to read you a scripture. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, Jesus goes on to say, and when he comes, he will, remember he's a he, he's not a force. He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the reason some of you makes that, the reason that makes some of us upset and frustrated and nervous and uneasy is because when I said conviction, you heard condemnation. And they're not the same thing. Condemnation is a tool of the enemy. Conviction is a tool of the Holy Spirit. When I say condemnation, the best way to think about it like this, condemnation typically means it's, 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 it's Satan reminding you of who you, you were. And it's wrapped in hopelessness. Conviction is reminding you who you are, wrapped in hope. And the Holy Spirit will come and remind you. You ever had that moment where you're about to do something wrong, and something in you just don't feel right? Well, number one, that was your mama praying for you, and your grandmama praying for you. Talking about Lord, just tell, just let him know when he ain't doing the right thing. I can't tell you how many things I was involved in, been around, and I just knew. It was my mom. She would just be praying for me. She just, she just, just, just help his heart, Lord. Just let him know. It's conviction. And and. And there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. And when, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict us to remind us who we are in Christ. My wife does this with me and our kids. Um, like the Holy Spirit, the helper. She comes and reminds me. She's, it's like my kids. I got five boys. They're all young. They're all under the age of 12. Just pray for me. Anyway, um, and so they'll do something wrong. You know, so so that they, one of them will punch their brother, right? Because that's what brothers do. So one punches the other. And my natural reaction as a parent, you maybe you're like this, is you'll highlight the thing that they did wrong. Because our understanding of it is, in our minds anyway, we say, if I tell them what they did wrong, they won't do it again. Which, by the way, most... Religious people think like that. If I just tell them that it's sin, they won't sin no more. And the problem with that thinking is that you know sin. And yet you still do it. So, I'll say something like, why do you always punch your brother? You're always punching him. Stop punching your brother. How many of y'all had that? Come on, something like that come out of you, parents. Be honest. All right. Some of y'all are telling the truth. Some of y'all, that's okay. You're in conviction mode. All right, so it's fine. But my wife will come along and she'll say, hey, babe, I love you. Man of God. Hug. It's all good. Just give me a little kiss on the cheek. Can I tell you something? Maybe instead of saying what they did wrong, could, could we highlight who they could be? Not what they were. Could we? Hey, instead of son, how about this son, babe, son? You're a man of God. Come, we don't, men of God don't hit like that. That's mean. We're not mean. You're you're powerful, you're you're kind, you're gentle, you're sweet. Come, you see, you see the difference? You see the difference? And so Holy Spirit will, will do that. He'll come in and he'll say, Hold on, that, that's not who you are. You're, you're, you don't belong in that party. That ain't that ain't you come on. That's not how you talk to your wife. Come on. Come on. Y'all had that moment, right? Come on. That's not how you treat your kids. That's not what, come on. We walk into work like this. Come on. We, we treat people right. Come on. You, he reminds us of who we are by convicting us of who we are in Christ. Come on. Right. And that's part of the power of having the Holy Spirit in your life. Number five, as we wrap up, and I'm done, is he will guide you in truth. Scripture says that like this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit has this incredible way of opening your eyes spiritually to the things you never saw before. Um, have you ever read the Bible? Anybody in here, if you're honest. Have you ever read the Bible and you read something and you're like, what in the world was that? Anybody but me, just come on. If you're online, raise your hand. Act like you got deodorant on and you're proud of it. Okay, great. Sometimes you read the scriptures, and you know, I've been doing this for a long, 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 long time. And I'll read the Bible sometimes and I'm like, man, I don't understand that. And then I'll read it again and again. And then sometimes I'll read it and I'll be like, I never saw that. I never, I never, I never knew that happened. The other day, I was, um, I was talking to a friend of mine. He's like a Marvel junkie, like a Marvel superhero junkie. And um, he was telling me stuff about, like, backstories of, like, how many of y'all like the Marvel movies? Like, like, it's okay, you can like a Marvel movie, you know, like Captain America, whatever. And so um, he was telling me, like, backstories about the movies and the characters and the comics, you know. And I'm like, and he goes, now go watch it. This is what he said. Now go watch it, and then you'll, like, see some cool things. So I was watching. I was like, oh. I never saw that because I didn't know it was connected to this person that was connected to that. And that's why he did this and this. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it totally opened my eyes. I saw another layer, come on, of the movie. That's what the Holy Spirit does with the Bible. Because if you ask him, I'm telling you, if you ask him, you got to acknowledge him. You got to recognize he's alive. He's active. He's in you and he's around you. You ask him, Lord, just show me something. If you have struggles reading the Bible, Jesus, will you send the Holy Spirit? Will you just Holy, will You help me understand this word and you'll read it and you'll be like i never saw that before happens all the time one of the best advice i give to people who are trying to understand the bible more is i say ask the holy spirit to reveal truth to you like there's practical tools and obviously you know study bibles and ways to examine and look through things but one of the best things you could do is just stop pray holy spirit will you reveal something to me today in my bible plan where are you? I would rather you read one verse and digest it and make sure you understand it and the Holy Spirit work it out in your spirit one month than you trying to read 800 verses a day and don't understand any of it. What do you think Paul was saying? He was saying, I want, I want you to live a spirit-filled life so that you can know what you know. The Holy Spirit, will open your eyes to God's word in ways you'll never see, you've never seen before. My wife and I planted this church about two years ago. And we've seen the hand of God move in every way possible. Um, you ever been a part of something where you feel like it's so good, you know it ain't you? Right? Like, I don't know how that happened. I know. I know I ain't that good. I know. Like, ain't nobody need to tell me. Y'all heard my messages. It ain't my preaching. And so it's like, I look back on, our, our, on, on the genesis of our church. Some people don't know this. You know, I had a six-month depression before this church started. And the only thing that got me through, I'm just telling you, like, I'm just telling you, the only reason this church is here is because of the Holy Spirit. Period. I'll take it further. The only reason I'm here on this earth is because of the Holy Spirit. My my mama prayed for me. She She said, Make his heart soft and tender to the things of God. What was she praying? She was praying, Holy Spirit, communicate to him. Let him know that he's not alone. And I know that there's some things that you guys are going through right now in this world. And you're not going to make it if you don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm convicted. I was convicted that if I don't teach on the Holy Spirit right now and his value in your life, some of you aren't going to make it. And my prayer is that you, you would take him seriously. And don't be scared by some of the fringe Christian groups that make him weird. And don't be distracted by the fringe Christian groups that make him silent. That you and I could walk in a balanced relationship with him. And you can have everything you need to handle everything that comes against you. That's my prayer for you today. Last thing I wish you knew about God. He doesn't just live with with you. He lives within you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Forgive us As a people, if we've never properly acknowledged you, we thank you that you are alive and active in our lives. I thank you that when I was alone, you were there. I thank you that when we're in pain, you are our comfort. I thank you that when we need someone, you are right close to us, you are not distant, you are not far, you are close. Holy Spirit, this is your church. Holy Spirit, you bring us peace when we're struggling. Holy Spirit, you bring us wisdom when we need counsel. When we're at the end of our rope, Father, you you send the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to help us. And I pray. That you would help us to acknowledge you. Acknowledge your giftings. And lead us to a fruit filled spirit filled life that makes a difference and a change, not in just this world, but in our world. May your holy presence dwell in this house. Every second it's open. In Jesus' name.